Hi, I'm Dave Miranda, General Counsel and Past President of the New York State Bar Association. Welcome to Miranda Warnings. You have the right to remain listening. On Miranda Warnings, we're very honored to have Marianne Sacamondo Friedman. She was the 89th president of the New York State Bar Association and the first woman president of the New York State Bar Association. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you. Isn't it amazing? It took 89 years to get to me. It took 89 years, and we're so happy to have you. Uh, you're an institution here at the Bar Association. I want to talk to you a little bit about your uh, your rise through the Bar Association. How did you get involved in the State Bar? I know you were president of the Erie County Bar Association. Yes. And then how did you become involved in the State Bar Association? I was apparently zeroed in on by several leaders of the State Bar who asked if I would serve as secretary. And I had to give that a lot of thought because that position had been filled by people who were not expected to go any higher than that in the State Bar. And I had friends who insisted they were going to make me the first woman president of the State Bar. There were some give and take discussions between my friends and the leaders of the State Bar. They, the leaders made a commitment that this would not be seen or used as a dead end. And so I agreed to, to run as secretary and that put me on the executive committee. And from there, there were a number of situations in which, to speak my mind, <clears throat> and, and that all led to eventually becoming president. And so when you were on the executive committee as secretary, uh, how did you find that experience for you uh, as a woman at the time? Were there many women on the executive committee? I found it very exciting but more importantly, very stimulating and interesting. There was another woman on the executive committee, Ruth Shapiro. And Ruth and I became, she was from New York City. We became good friends. Ruth was an excellent lawyer and her thinking was good thinking. But, but for me, the, the opportunities presented to give my opinions and my leadership were, were excellent. And, and, and for me, the whole experience was, as I said, stimulating and exciting. So you were secretary of the association starting in 1984. And then in 1986, you were selected as the president-elect of the association. Uh, what Tell us, what was the process like for you to get selected as president-elect? I mean, it's a pretty quick uh, rise for, for yeah, you? I, I don't know because I told you I had uh, supporters who had determined after my county bar presidency that they were going to make me the first woman president of the state bar. I stayed out of the whole process. I really had nothing to do with the process. These two guys I'll tell you who they were, Dick Rippon from Buffalo and Ben Hewitt from Niagara Falls. These two lawyers, these two men, these two friends 
Uh, and they weren't social friends. They were, they were lawyer friends. Um, they did whatever they did. And eventually that led to my becoming president, but I was not involved in that process. Were they on the nominating committee, those two gentlemen? Yes, they were. And so was, you know, these days, at least, uh, if you're going to seek to be president-elect, uh, you, there's usually, a, a, you know, you interview in front of the nominating committee. Oftentimes there's an opponent. Did you have an opponent? I did have an opponent, but no, there were no such things as interviews at that time. Um, my opponent was from Albany a very good lawyer. Eventually, he also became a president, but we didn't do anything like it's done today. That was all started, some of that started actually as my presidency because I thought that we did not do what was necessary to find our best people and to make them leaders. Uh, or acknowledge them as leaders or let them be leaders. Um, and so I asked Bob Whitmer to review the bylaws. And we came, he came, he and his committee, all new set of bylaws on how we treated and dealt with that whole procedure of becoming president of the state bar. And uh, that's when it all changed what it is today. So w when you became when you became president, your idea was that the nominating committee should be opened up yes. more than yes. it was in the if past. If you looked at the nominating committee at that time, they were all on the executive committee and they renominated themselves. So it was a constant cycle of these people who went from nominating committee to executive committee to nominating committee to executive, and they never got off the executive committee. So that closed the whole procedure to a lot of good people. And so I wanted to open it all up. And Bob Whitmer and his committee did that. Now you said you had uh, a few people that you had worked with from Western New York that were supporters and, and thought that you, uh, should be the president of the state bar. Uh, do you recall, Did you was there opposition? Did you feel like there were people that felt, well, we shouldn't have you or we shouldn't have a woman as state bar oh, president? Oh, there were a lot of time? people who didn't think we were ready for a woman. There were a lot of people. And there were a lot of people who certainly didn't think it should be me. I wasn't from a big city. I was from Buffalo. Um, and, you know, whoever heard of a person from Buffalo there, yes, there was a lot of opposition. What What do you think the the bigger impediment was, being a woman or being from Buffalo? I think being a woman. So you were you were in, and uh, we we went back and looked at some of the statements that you made in your first president's message. You made it clear that you were the president of all the members, not just the women, and that you cared about all issues, not just women's issues. And in fact, you said there are no women's issues. Uh, that you wanted to focus on the issues that, that were of importance to all attorneys. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what kind of uh, burden you felt, uh, if any, as being the first woman president of the state bar. The second part of your question is easier to answer than your first. Okay. 
the burden I felt I was always on. I was always exposed. I was always being assessed. <clears throat> I was always, always on, no matter what I did. I had to be conscious of what I was doing and how I was doing it and when I was doing it and where I was doing it. And luckily for me, I have a family who understands that. They even understood it then when they were a lot younger than they are now. And so I didn't have that problem to have to worry about what was going on at home with my kids, my husband. Because I was always on, I always had to look right. I couldn't look like a jerk the way I do many days. My hair had to always be combed and I always had to have makeup on. So, I mean, it was stupid things that you think about that you shouldn't have to worry about, but I did because I was always on. And um, I had a lot of supporters. So I always, you know, there were, there were always people making sure that I was okay, that I looked okay, that I sounded okay. And what I, what I meant by the first part of your question, there are no women's issues. I think all issues are common issues. I think if a woman is concerned about her health, so is her family. And if a woman is concerned about money, so is her family. And at least half of that family, or maybe not half, but some of that family are men. Her father was a man. I mean, that's for sure. That's the only person I can count for sure who was a man. So when I say that, I think women's health issues are common issues. I think women's financial issues are common issues. I think women's social issues are common issues. Even something like rape, it, it, it hits women harder, but it's men who are involved. I mean, it's men who commit the rape. So it's a, it's a common issue. How do we give the men what they need? How do we give the women what they need? So that's what I meant. That's what I mean now. And you mentioned that, you know, you, you were constantly on during the time that you were president. You had to be constantly on, constantly cognizant of how you were presenting yourself, uh, what you were saying, how you were saying it. Uh, did you feel as though the representations you were making were perhaps larger, that you were representing all women attorneys and that how you conducted yourself would be a reflection uh, for the entire gender. Absolutely, absolutely. If I couldn't do it, nobody could do it. If I did it, they all could do it. Um, absolutely, it was a, a reflection on women. Yeah, of course, you were a pioneer for the Bar Association. We've had uh, seven other women presidents since that time. We have currently our president is a, is a woman, and you've opened you opened a lot of doors. I know you're held in such high regard by women leaders uh, and all leaders, quite honestly, in the association. And you, as part of your work as president, you wanted to open up the leadership to 
uh, a greater diversity of members, uh, not just president. You worked on issues involving our committees, uh, instituting a measure that our committee chairs couldn't serve for longer than three years so that there would be a rotation of new blood. Uh, I'm sure all of that was, uh, which now we take for granted, was very controversial at the time. Uh, what kind of pushback did you get on trying to open up uh, leadership issues? Did you have anyone opposing your efforts to open up leadership on committees? Oh, and, yes, and the association? yes, yes. The ones who were the ones who were in leadership opposed it. Um, it was good to be in leadership, and it was good to be in leadership forever. But not in my view, it was not good to be in leadership forever. In fact, I thought that the past presidents who serve in the House of Delegates until they die, I thought they should be given a term limit. However long, three years, five years, even 10 years. But there was a point at which I thought and still feel that they don't really have anything to offer anymore. And they shouldn't be taking up a space in the House of Delegates. Nobody seemed to agree with me. I introduced that, by the way, and it was voted down in the House. So nobody, a few people agreed with me, but not enough to carry the day. Well, as you know, the 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 past presidents uh, retained their life membership in the House of Delegates, and they certainly they have plenty to contribute. Uh, in fact, some uh, have something to contribute on just about every issue. Uh, so they're still they're still uh, representing the past presidents in the, in the House of Delegates. Well, some, some have something to say about every issue. <laughs> I don't know that what they're saying is necessarily contributing to anything. Well, as a past president, I think you're allowed to say that. So, uh, but let me ask you about some of the changes you actually did make. Uh, how were you able to, uh, you know, wrest control over some of these how the changes you did make, the changes in the committee structure, for example, how were you able to to, you know, wrest control of the committees uh, and and get new blood? That would seem like I, I chose very good people to make the changes. And then I tried to choose good people to serve on the committees. I put a lot of effort into choosing people. At the time that you were the president elect, you made a point to visit all of New York's uh, 62 counties. Um, yes, I did. And tell us about that experience and, and how that uh, helped you during your presidency. There was one thing, I, there were a couple things that I felt uh, needed to happen. One, everybody needed to see that I didn't have two heads and six arms. They needed to see I had one head, two arms like everybody else had. Two, everybody needed to understand that I was interested in their problems. And I felt strongly that the Bar Association should address their problems. And so I decided that I would visit every one of the 62 counties and meet with as many lawyers in those counties as I could. I first checked with the then president and the then president-elect to make sure they had no problem with my doing that. 
uh, they both said, okay. And so that started my, my tour of all 62 counties and meeting with all of, meeting with lawyers in each of those counties. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought then, I think now, it's very important that they understand that the state bar represents them, that they understand that they are as important to the state bar as lawyers in New York City are, that they understand that their, their difficulties, their problems, their issues are as important as any other part of the state. And, and that's what I tried to do. I also knew it was important for them to size me up. And so I would have their support when I finally became president two years hence, um, because I needed their support. And, and so that's why I did that. And that's, uh, I think it was, I think I was successful. I think that they sized me up. I think they heard what I had to say. And I think they truly understood that the state guard does represent the lawyers all over the state, not just in the big cities, but in the little towns, in the little villages, on the farms, wherever they are in the country, not on the farms, but in the country. And, and the state bar needs to do that. It needs to represent all the lawyers in New York State. I think we have done a good job. Yeah, well, I think we have too. And, and I think thanks to the work of you and those that uh, came before you and, and after you, uh, one of the issues during your year uh, that you wanted to focus on was law office economics and the bar's assistance to lawyers in helping their practice. Uh, is that something that uh, became apparent to you during your travels around the state and and what kind of issues were lawyers facing uh, at that time? Um, I don't know if I can remember what the lawyers were facing at the time, but I'll try. There were no yet at that point, paralegals didn't exist. So you had a secretary and you had yourself and you had to use the secretary's talents and your talents. Now, in the small towns and villages in the country, I think the lawyers used their secretaries better than they use them in the big cities. And so we had to figure out what did they do that we could do in the big cities. So that was one of the things that, that started. Not all technical things were financially available to many lawyers. And so how did we deal with putting together programs that would allow lawyers to avail themselves of those technical things that they couldn't afford to have on their own? We did a lot of work on that. Now, you accomplished a lot as president, both symbolically as the first woman president, but also uh, substantively, uh, some of the changes we've talked about. What, in your mind, is your your greatest accomplishment as your in your term as president? I would have to say, in all honesty, 
I think the biggest accomplishment was showing that a woman could do the job every bit as well as a man. I think that was the biggest accomplishment. And you, uh, as I said, are an inspiration for many. I'd like to see what kind of advice could you give to someone that wants to become a leader of the association uh, in what they should do and how they should conduct themselves, uh, whether it be man or woman, uh, what would your advice be to someone that wants to become a leader? I think you have to become involved. And I would advise them to get onto a committee they like and to do as much work on that committee as they can. Eventually, they should present themselves in a report, if they can do that, in a report to the House, uh, and, and, and then become a member of the House. You know, we have members of the House who speak just for the purpose of speaking, just to hear themselves talk. And I think that's a waste of their time, and it's a waste of the House of Delegates' time. But there are people in the House who have something important to say who never say it. And I don't understand that. If they've got something important to say, they should say it. They should stand up at the microphone and say it. And I think that the leadership qualities will come forth. I think they'll be seen. And once they're seen, they can't be stopped. They'll just go on and become leaders. Now, our association has come a long way, obviously, since your term as president. Uh, I'm sure you, when you were president, you were thinking about the future. You were thinking about what our bar association would like, would look like, uh, you know, 30 years hence. In your mind, has our bar association uh, the progress that the association has made, has has it been more or less than what you would have expected uh, at the time when you were president? I think it has moved in, in fitful ways. I think there have been years that there's been a lot of motion forward, and then there have been years when it just stagnated or even moved back. Um, I think today we are farther ahead than we were then. Uh, I think that today we take care of issues in much the same way, but now we've got all sorts of technology that helps us. And I think that, that we still have the camaraderie, but I do think we've moved ahead and I do think we have progressed since I was president. Marianne Sacramento Friedman, I want to thank you for your time with us here on Miranda Warnings, uh, an inspiration to us all. Uh, and I, I couldn't be more appreciative of both the work that you did as president, as well as the service you've given to our association since that time. So, uh, so thank you so very much. Thank you very much, David. This has been Miranda Warnings, a New York State Bar Association podcast. You have the right to subscribe, rate, and review.